is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome in, everybody. It is a hump day post-Halloween. Happy November. All of those things here on Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. Jad Chambers producing Manning, that IHOP hotline. 869-1240 brought to you by IHOP. Try IHOP's new slow-braised beef pot roast or a savory country fried steak. Uh, glad to be here with you today. We'll give away some AEW Pro Wrestling tickets for the weekend. We'll give away some HTO. So make sure to tune in, stay listened in. Uh, for your opportunity to win those prizes. It is the uh, day after the NFL trade deadline. The Chiefs don't do anything of significance. We can get into that as they prepare to go to Germany. Clark Hunt talked yesterday about that trip and uh, you know gave a little insight on what the Royals are doing there and the future. We'll get into all of that as well. Uh, happy Wednesday, everybody. Tommy, how are you? I'm good. Did you have a good Halloween with the kids yesterday? I did. It was very cold. Uh, very yeah. cold, and we were, you know, we didn't go out until it got dark as we normally would. We were, uh, we were, we we went to a friend's house in the neighborhood, and I could see as we were going over there all the kids that were out while the sun was still up, and I was like, oh man, we're gonna be behind all these kids, and we were, we were. There weren't as many people out once it got dark, and it was cold. Our kids powered through; they did a good job. Um, but you know, we we did that. I had. You know, Rangers game on in my ear while we're doing it. And I, I thought that I balanced it well for somebody who has like tunnel vision <laughs> sometimes. I was like, I was, I'm listening and then, you know, participating in the trick-or-treating all at the same time. But it was good. I was wondering uh, how you were going to balance that between the game and the actual trick-or-treating. Yeah. So that was that was pretty much it. So I, I listened to, I had the game on and, and I love the Rangers radio team. So it was fine. Like I had no issue with that being the way I took the game in. And so I'm listening, and, and we're going through that. And then, I mean, they got up 10 nothing while we were in trick-or-treat mode. And I'm like, okay, I think I can, you know, I can sort of retune over here a little bit more and shift the attention. So it was fine. And then, I, and then I actually got it onto TV probably by the seventh or eighth inning um, as the Diamondbacks were kind of trying to sneak back into that game. But it worked out. It was fine. And, and I knew that was coming. Like, Halloween's one of those where you just kind of bite the bullet and just, yeah. you know. You got to commit that time. My kids are little like this is their one of their greatest days of the year. Right. This was the very first year that our toddler was like really into it and, and you know knew what was going on and practicing trick or treat and happy Halloween and and all yeah. of that. He loved it. I do have a, a bone to pick here um, and I'm, I'm not going to like reveal. I don't even know who this person is, but I'm going to tell you something that happened while we were trick or treating that I think is it's ridiculous. And you tell me if you think this is ridiculous. So we're just around the neighborhood. We're going to houses, whatever. And I've always been a big believer that, and I, I was this way too. Like when I'm a bachelor, I don't want to hand out candy. I leave my porch lights off, you know, and I just know like that's kind of the sign to not go to, to the door. So we're going around trick-or-treating and, you know, we kind of have that routine and we take the, the toddler up, ring the doorbell, then we kind of step back and let him, you know, stand there. So we go to this house, porch lights on, Halloween decorations everywhere, ghost on the door, jack-o'-lanterns lit, all of this stuff. We're like, all right, cool, let's go. 
ring the doorbell. He's standing there. And this lady comes to the door. She opens it up and she goes, I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have anything for Halloween. And just my son just stood there, didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, all right, we'll say thank you. Let's walk away. And I'm like, you know what? If you don't have anything, turn the porch lights off. Yeah. Why do you have jack-o'-lanterns lit on your porch? It, it's uh, So for us, I'll give you a, a reason why that might fail. Now, this, this, the circumstances aren't the exact same. So we left our house. I have our porch light set to a really fancy timer switch. I'm talking like, you know, world times, like all these buttons. And I, I, so I'm not going to mess with it. And we left our house and that hadn't come on. It does have an off thing, but sure. only if the light's on. So I'm like, well, crap, like our light's going to be on because I'm not going to like reprogram yeah. this thing right now. So we probably had the same situation. Like, I wonder if people came up to our door because the light was up. But there was nothing we could do but about I it. Think we it's, were going it's, to it's one thing. I think it's one thing if you're not home and like somebody rings the doorbell and then nobody comes to the door. You turn around right. and leave. Coming to the door is a little interesting. Hey, yeah, I that, don't I don't have anything to give you. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, maybe we'll maybe that away. person, maybe they ran out. That would be one possibility. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that would be the only thing I could think of where that would make any sense. I'm not yeah. sure. It's a little yeah. strange. A little strange. A little, little bizarre. You know, back back in the day, uh, there there might have been a little extra present left on the porch of, of so, you know, back when kids were more, you know, hooligans and us parents weren't yeah. watching over their shoulders little, the whole uh, time. little ding-dong dash action going on. Or or something, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We th- that stuff doesn't happen as much anymore. And and somebody, I heard people talking yesterday, like, oh, we don't like we just don't turn our kids loose anymore. I'm like, well, I'm not going to turn mine loose because they're all third grade and under. I've got a four year old yeah. running out, but I am terrified of them getting hit by a car like that. Like I'm like, no, I, I don't. As distracted as people are. Like back in the good old days when you turned kids loose, you didn't have people buried in their cell phones cruising around, you know, in their right. cars either. So I'm like, eh, I don't I'm a little leery on that because, yeah. I, you know, like people aren't paying attention on the roads anymore anyway. My wife and I, as we were trick or treating last night with our son, we actually had a conversation about like the good old days, like back in my day, back when we were kids. And right. it just seems so different now than it did then. And it might not really be, but just in our minds, it kind of is like we were talking like, oh, we would spend hours trick or treating. Okay. Really? Did we probably not, but that's the way yeah. that it seems, you know, yeah. and like every house was given out candy. And now you've got like, you know, entire blocks that are just, the lights are off and then I, I made a point to my wife. I'm like, you know, I don't think that trunker treats were really a thing when we were kids. They are now where people do that sort of thing more, I think, than just going up to a person's house and ringing the doorbell. Well, the other problem is because we're out with our kids more probably than we used to be, that means somebody's not home to pass out candy. Right. That also, you know, that's a down. And, I, and I'm, I, you know, I won't have any problem turning my kids loose when they're older, but they're little. And, you know, that's 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 the reason I I do have a bone to pick with, you know, Joe Public here. We got three buckets of candy last time. I mean, our kids are powering through. It's cold, like powering through. No big deal. Three buckets of candy. They get back. You know, they do the dump. Everybody sorts it out and get, gets ready for the candy trade. You know, not one Butterfinger in three buckets really? of candy. Not one Butterfinger. Where where have we lost our way in this country that you can go trick or treating, get three big full buckets of candy, and not have one Butterfinger to steal from your kids? 
Like, you know, as what, soon what is as they happening? changed, as soon as they changed the recipe of Butterfinger a few years ago, they it's did? not the same. Oh yeah, it's not the same as it was back in the day. Like, it, it's still good, but it's not like it used to be. I didn't know they changed the recipe. Okay. I don't really care. I just want a Butterfinger. Like, what? How is that possible, though, that Butterfinger has been pushed out of the assortment bag so much? Because that's what it comes down to. Like, do we really need a 24th flavor of M&Ms, or can we just get a Butterfinger in the rotation? Like, we're still putting in 100 grand bars. Like, nobody eats that anymore. Oh, those are so good, though. They are good. They're good. But kids aren't into that. Like, kids don't want anything to do with that. Like, what happened to Bart Simpson, Butterfingers? Like, where have they gone? All I kept telling my kids was like, dibs on your Butterfinger. Like, I don't care about anything else. I just right. want your Butterfingers. Not one. Not one in in a collective, because we were with other people, in a collective, five buckets of candy. Not one Butterfinger. I'll take it a step further. We looked through you know our son's bucket last night after he went to bed. And you know there was a little bit of chocolate in there. But there are a lot of people that are doing like non-chocolate things now. Like there was like Sour Patch Kids, and which are fine, or Skittles or Twizzlers. And I'm like, where's the chocolate? Like where? Like, like that's we what Halloween is for is all the chocolate. And you know what? There were several houses where it was like they were handing out organic fruit snacks. What are you doing? Like my kid doesn't want organic fruit snacks, you know, or Cheez Its. Okay, like that. I like Cheez Its, but I can go to the grocery store and buy a box of them. Like, come on now. Like, give I mean, you him. You can go to the grocery give store. Give him a Reese's. Candy too. Like, give Reese's. Him a, are like, good. Reese's, like Reese's you know? should dominate the candy ratio. Like, you should have more Reese's than anything because everybody loves Reese's. Totally. I don't care. Like my son. What do you think, my son, who loves candy and had been looking forward to like his? What do you think his favorite? And most excited thing he got was? Um, a Twizzler. I don't know. No, 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 no. A plain Hershey bar. Really? What? Okay. Yeah. Like, it was. he was jacked up for that Hershey bar. He's like, can I have this? I'm like, yeah. The whole thing? Because it was a big one. I was like, dude, it's Halloween. Go Let's for go. it. Yeah, and he would—he was just like, look, like for real, like you. I mean, this isn't some like <laughs> trick. Like I can have this whole thing. I'm like, yeah, dude, get it. I, he, a Hershey bar, and I like so for like I don't like plain chocolate that much. I like it when it's got other stuff in it, like a Reese's or a Butterfinger or peanut butter M and M's or something, but not just plain chocolate. And I would rather have like sour punch straws than chocolate yeah. most of the time. Uh, but it, it was a good Halloween. Hope everybody had a happy Halloween and stayed warm that certainly uh that certainly deterred the normal amount of trick-or-treat traffic but it was all right it you know you power through it you just bundle up and it was it was there but now it's in the hey, past it's november i can't even nothing believe it. nothing ruins a kid's halloween costume faster than putting a winter coat over top of it like you can't be a, a very threatening ninja you know if you're rocking a, a parka over your costume I, I, it's a it's a tough battle too in debate because it's like normally kids are so whiny and like oh it, not yesterday it's like no I'll be fine and you're like no mm-hmm. you won't put on the coat <laughs> this isn't the time to be tough here let's go uh, but it was it was fun it's fun to have Halloween uh, lots of great costumes we had you know I told you yesterday the HTO costume in store thing there's some really good ones that come through like I am impressed. I'm not a great costume person. I'm not that crafty or artsy, so I have never been really good at that. I love it though, and I love seeing what people can come up with and create. It's really, really fun, and you know, I know everybody got to enjoy class parties and all that stuff. So 
Happy Halloween, uh, everybody. Hope it was a great one. Um, but it's it's November now, which means it's you know it's time to sort of shift minds on the sports calendar. We'll be done with baseball before the end of this week. College basketball is starting soon, and we're getting into the really pivotal portion of the NFL season. So a uh, lot to get to today on the show. We'll have um, KU reaches the CFP rankings for the first time. K-State gets the big matchup over the weekend with Texas that we can begin to look at much more on that tomorrow, by the way, with our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald. And uh, the Chiefs go to Germany. Uh, Clark Hunt has thoughts. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has thoughts on that. First, interesting thoughts. We can get into all that. The trade deadline is come and gone. All sorts of reaction and a high-profile head coach has been fired this morning. We'll hit it all. Let's roll forward on a Sports Daily. On the way out, Chad, let's give away uh, some AEW tickets, making its Wichita, Kansas debut. AEW Collision Live on TNT Interest Bank Arena Saturday, November 4th. That's this Saturday, our final pair of tickets. We'll go to our first caller during the break to our IHOP hotline, 869-1240. Good luck, everybody. We'll come back. We'll begin to dig in on the sports schedule here on Sports Daily. Back in, everybody. Sports Daily here. Um, all right, so the Raiders are cleaning house. They have fired Josh McDaniels. They have fired their GM. They have fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Mark Davis. I, I think probably a little less loyal than Al. I, I don't know that I'd remember yeah. Al Davis doing something like this. Like he was, no. he was like famously too loyal, probably. But the McDaniels experience is done. I'd, it never made a ton of sense to most of us, but sometimes those second-chance coaches become awesome. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, uh, you know, whatever. But not this one. The Raiders are a hot mess. they got to start over. I'm a little surprised they didn't do more at the trade deadline to, to you know, to let go of some or, or to trade away some players. Maybe they think a different coach can come in and still salvage this thing. But it hasn't worked, and it hasn't been for a lack of effort. They made a lot of moves, you know, at the time they were kind of praised for. And it just, boy, it has not worked out at all. And, you know, it's probably, you know, not that Derek Carr looks amazing in New Orleans, but he's playing pretty well. And that probably also sticks in the craw a little bit, uh, that you kind of chose McDaniels over Carr. And here we go. It looks like the Saints are in a decent spot to make the postseason, and the Raiders are a hot mess. I, it's it's just wild. And if you read the stories about how it happened, uh, which we're trying to still siphon through and see how real some of those rumors are, it's just nuts. But I, I'm not that surprised by this. I guess. I mean, it was it was never going to work. Yeah, it never made sense to me that Josh McDaniels was the coach for the Raiders. Um, I mean, he did not <clears throat> he did not have a good tenure when he was the Broncos head coach, if you'll remember, all the way back, what, 15 years ago? Uh, yep. And then he flirted with the Colts' job, took it, then left, and then went back to New England, and then you know ultimately made it to, to Vegas. And it, it never seemed like it was going to work. The thing that I think is so fascinating about all of this is that, if you'll recall, after the Raiders fired John Gruden, they had their interim coach, and they made the playoffs that year. Like, they did, they won games 
under their interim coach. And then, you know, all the Raiders players were like stumping for him to get the job. What was his name? Rich Bacasia or Bacasia or whatever his name was. <clears throat> they were really like wanting him to get the full time job. Uh, and that didn't happen. And Mark Davis didn't retain him, didn't retain Mike Mayock, the GM at the time. And went out and got Josh McDaniels as the head coach that, you know, he's never worked as a head coach before. Uh, you know who I feel the most badly for in all of this is Devontae Adams. Because Devontae Adams has been so vocal about his desire to get the hell out of town. The trade deadline comes and goes. The Raiders don't move him. They don't trade him. He's still in Vegas. And then they fire Josh McDaniels. But and they now have an interim coach. But didn't. I'm trying to remember this. Didn't Adams also like kind of demand a trade in Green Bay too? Like, I I think he did. Yeah, but he was so like, yeah, I but don't know. so like, what? Like, this has get, been get so over it. More vocal in Vegas than it was. I, I, I in know, Green but Bay. like, I fi- I have a little bit of a hard time finding sympathy. You you demanded essentially out of Green Bay. You get to the Ra- I'm pretty sure he Would did. Would you want to be with Vegas? Because I certainly well, no, wouldn't. But, but he, you, you wanted the trade to get there in the first place, and you got this big contract. Like, But the team is significantly different now than it was when he great. got there. I mean, you, you I, go of course from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo. Point. But my point is, like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You you got what you wanted. You got out. You you signed the big contract with him. Like this, that, that's a little, that's a little flaky to me. That's a little flaky to me. Like, sorry, it's not going well. You, you made this bed, sleep in it. Like, don't, you don't yeah. get to just demand trades all the time. This isn't the NBA. This is the NFL. You don't just get to command trades every five minutes, James Harden. Like, you, no, you, you signed the big deal to play there. Go play, go do what you're paid to do. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't have much sympathy there for that. They've had a uh, variety, and he, and he spent of bad... most of his career, by the way, with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. So it's not like he's been always burdened by bad quarterback play. They've made a variety of bad decisions in the Josh yes. McDaniels era. I mean, you know, from bad draft picks during the couple of drafts that Josh McDaniels has presided over, declining the option for Josh Jacobs. They signed Hunter Renfro to an extension, which Hunter Renfro is a good receiver, but I'm not sure that fit was ever really the right one, you know, for him to be long-term in Vegas. And there were rumors that they were shopping him too at the trade deadline. Just a lot of really poor, of course, Derek Carr leaving and the way that that all went down with Carr leaving the team and then going to the Saints. And I mean, the thing about it is like, it's kind of deja vu and the Raiders should have known what they were getting themselves into. I remember all the way back when McDaniels took over in Denver, you remember he like from day one was at odds with Jay Cutler, who was the quarterback at the time in Denver, and then ended up like shipping him out and bringing in Tim Tebow. And like, how did that end up going long-term for the Broncos? McDaniels did basically the same thing when he went to Vegas, alienated Derek Carr, Derek Carr ends up leaving, and then they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo and that hasn't worked. Like McDaniels has a really hard time when he comes in as a head coach, getting along with the incumbent quarterback. And that it happened in Denver, and it's happened in Vegas now. And I think that's a really large reason as to why he's no longer the head coach. Yeah, uh, look, I um, he, he just wasn't working. It's probably the best news for the Patriots, although they now have O'Brien there, so there's not really a spot for McDaniels. But that's he's been successful there, very, and that's kind of it. But he had Tom Brady to help, you know, to, to put in place whatever it is that he put, you know, that was so— well done, right? 
when you don't have, if you can't adjust to not having Tom Brady, it's not, it's not going to work out for you in the league. And it, right. and it didn't, and it's not going to, again, he's not going to get another job as a head coach. He'll, he'll no. end up with the Patriots again, I'm sure. Um, and that will help the Patriots, I'm sure. But the, the Raiders are now going to pay somewhere to the tune of 40 to $80 million to coaches that don't coach. And so like, if you're Mark Davis, you you have to get the next one right. Like they that you're in Vegas now. Like you've got to get this right. Get stability. Get like and I don't know who's out there and who they can bring in. They've sort of you know they tried the retreads now. Like you've got to do something different and just get this thing going in the right direction. It feels like a you know like a ship lost at sea with no no ability to go either direction. Just kind of floating there. And they've got to make that happen, but you know, like whatever. Again, we'll we'll let the let the rumor mill flow a little bit. There's some crazy reports out of the athletic that we can get into once we see if those are more solidified on how this all played out. Um, but we'll do that uh, elsewhere. The Chiefs don't make any moves yesterday. The the Commanders make a couple of interesting moves, but the Chiefs is what we're obviously paying attention to. Didn't think they'd do anything, and they didn't. Clark Hunt talked yesterday about a variety of things, and you know they don't make any trades. Tommy, I think it's fine. I don't. Again, like I don't think there was anybody that they could get that was going to move the needle because either players that people wanted them to get weren't available, which I feel like is probably more of the case. And then there's other players that maybe were that just they don't really help you any. So this is it. This is what the Chiefs have now. And you know, do we have? three weeks in a row or do we have last week? I think it's probably, I think it's somewhere in between, but again, with the defense they've got, I think it's going to be okay. I think in general, I'm not even just talking about the chiefs. I'm just talking about overall. I think we all need to stop hyping up the NFL trade deadline. It's usually not anything exciting. It's not like the major league baseball trade deadline where you've got a flurry of moves happening with contenders and trying to get, you know, different pieces to their team to make a postseason run. That's not the way it works in the NFL it's usually pretty lame. Like there, there occasionally you will have a high profile guy move like Christian McCaffrey did last year. Like that was a big deal. But I think overall, like I I'm tired of getting hyped up for the NFL trade deadline, generally speaking, and then really not a whole lot happens. And you know, all the reporting was there that the chiefs weren't going to do anything. They didn't. I think that, you know, at least I personally wish that they would have. I wish they would have went out and and made something happen at wide receiver. They didn't. They're going to stand pat. That's what all the reporting said they were going to do, and that's what they did. Is that the right decision? Time will tell. Uh, You know, I don't have much confidence right now in their wide receiver room, and I don't know if a couple of months from now it will be any better. I'd like to think it will be, but I've got no proof to show that that it will. We can't pretend like they haven't done anything, though, they traded for McCole Hardman, so they did make a move. They just like here's the thing: if they'd have made the McCole Hardman move yesterday, everyone would be like, "Oh, they got a you know they made a move at the trade deadline. Nice job." They did. They did it a week earlier. Uh, last year, they made a move at the deadline. They got Kadarius Tony. So like they've been active at the deadline. I think the timing of the Hardman trade maybe is a little distracting. Most people will act like they didn't do anything at the deadline, but the reality is they did do something. They brought in McCole Hardman. They just didn't do it on the day of the trade deadline. They, but they did it. They they added a piece to the to the wide receiver room. Now, since they've done it in that t- you know that time gap, he's muffed a punt, uh, so everybody has a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. But I'm telling you, Tommy, if they made that same move yesterday, 
the same people that would be like high. And I'm not saying you're doing this because you're not. But there's a lot of people who are like, oh, my God, the Chiefs didn't do anything at the deadline. If they had traded for McCall Hardman yesterday, those same people would be like, oh, good. They made a move at the deadline. Like, but they but they did, you know, they did it just a week earlier. I, I don't think there was anything that they were going to be able to get done. That was the responsible thing to do that here. here so in the NFL, too, like it's not like in Major League Baseball, you get traded. You can step in and go do your job the same way the next day for another team. You can't do that in the NFL. Like they need an entire offseason to put in place, you know, plays and things. And like for a player to come in, especially a wide receiver for the Chiefs, which are notoriously difficult for wide receivers to pick up the offense. That's a tough that's a tough sell anyway. That's why Hardman made sense, right? Because at least he would have some knowledge of how this thing works. But to go trade for somebody who's never been there, like how much time does that take? You know, so I I think it's I think it's a difficult thing to ask them to do anyway. And and, you know, you're sort of like the time to make a move was the offseason. Right. Right. Yeah. Right now, it's a little more difficult to just plant somebody in there and expect them to make a huge difference. Yeah, I'm going to make an analogy here that I've been thinking about ever since the trade deadline passed. In my mind, Brett Veach, I think, would make an excellent president of the United States for one reason only. And that's because if you had him in charge of pressing the nuclear button, he's going to show the most amount of restraint possible and never do it right. Like not not be tempted to do that. And like, that's what happened. Like he could have very easily pressed the nuclear button and went and traded away the future for the Chiefs, traded away draft picks to bring in somebody like DeAndre Hopkins at the deadline um, or any of the other wide receivers that we talked about that were potentially on the market. Uh, and, and he could have kowtowed to people like myself and others who have said this wide receiver room is garbage. It's going to hold them back. They're not going to be able to win another Super Bowl because of that. You need to do something, need to fix it, whatever. And Brett Veach, it, you know, he, he stays the course. He, he is resistant to that sort of thing, moving away from that strategy that he's got in place where it is drafting well and developing young players to come alongside the high-paid stars. That's the strategy for the Chiefs. Whether or not we like it, whether or not we agree with it, that's irrelevant. It's Brett Beach's strategy, and that's what he's done, and that's what he's going to continue to do. It's, it's the right strategy because it's really the only strategy, and I do think he shows tremendous restraint. But also, like he moves up and down in the draft. He has been not afraid to trade draft capital uh, in, you know, like Frank Clark and Orlando Brown, and, you know, he moves constantly in the draft. He did trade for Kadarius Toney last year. He did trade for McCole Hardman this year. So, it's. I, I think that it's a little deceptive, but the the overall plan that cannot be wavered from is that the Chiefs' draft picks hold a little bit more value than other teams because they're going to have to rely on those players to be significant contributors while you have to pay the other players. It, it's the you know it's the ultimate issue most teams run into when they have to pay a quarterback it makes it really difficult to pay your other good players. Now, the Chiefs are very fortunate that Travis Kelsey plays on a discount. Like, very, very fortunate. If you think the team-friendly deals Patrick Mahomes is under are good, go look at Travis Kelsey 
re- relative to his peers at what he does. He should be paid, number one, he should be paid like a wide receiver. He does more than wide receivers do. But even just among his tight end peers, go look at his contract. You want to talk about team friendly, right? None of this works if that stuff doesn't. Brett Veach doesn't appear nearly as smart if Travis Kelsey is not willing to do that. That's the reality. So, you know, Veach's responsibility is to take advantage of those things, of the fact that he's got a guy like Kelsey playing on a criminally good team deal and Mahomes doing basically whatever they need him to do. Not every team gets that luxury. And I'm not saying that players need to do that every time. It just it's the situation the Chiefs have. So, yeah, you got to be really careful and less desperate probably than a lot of teams feel. The other thing is they are good enough to win a Super Bowl if they do nothing else at the trade deadline. They weren't put in a place of desperation because of any injury or anything like that. And they know, just look at their defense now. Why is their defense so good? Because they've done well drafting those players. And so you've got to be able to do that and maintain this thing and keep that window as open as possible. Does that mean there may be individual years where they don't do everything they can to win a Super Bowl in that individual year? Sure it does. But it also ensures their ability to be in a good position to win a Super Bowl for, you know, another 10 years instead of two years. I think they're doing the right thing. I think if the move was going to be made, it needed to be made in the offseason. Why did why did why do we sit here and say Chris Jones' deal is not going to get done? Because it didn't make sense. It ultimately got done anyway. Chris Jones didn't earn anything extra out of that, but they just weren't going to do it. That's where they weren't going to do the Tyreek Hill deal. Hill deal. They weren't going to do the Chris Jones deal. Like they just they know what they have to do and they know what they can't do and they don't waver from it. And that does take restraint. So I, I agree with you. It takes restraint and it also takes a really, really thick skin when you're hearing from people like myself, and I'm going to admit that, who will say things like, you got to trade for a wide receiver, you got to sign Chris Jones, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And then they sit there and they, they say, we have a strategy. We know how we do this, and this is what we're going to do. And again, I'll, I'll say it, whether or not I agree with it is irrelevant. What I've learned now is that Brett Beach is going to do what Brett Beach feels like he needs to do as the general manager of the team. He's not going to bow down to any kind of pressure that he gets or criticism that he gets or the fan base getting antsy or whatever. And oh, by the way, he's won two Super Bowls with this strategy, you know, so I, I think that you have to kind of balance it like on the one hand. Yeah, I would have loved to see Kansas City make a big blockbuster deal yesterday right before the trade deadline to bring in a plug and play wide receiver who was out there on the market potentially that you could plug right in as a downfield threat for Kansas City for the second half of the season would have loved to see that it would have been so much fun to watch. But then realistically, I have to remember that's not what Brett Veach does. He, and he's not going to because his responsibility is to take every opportunity to take advantage of Mahomes and Kelsey giving him those opportunities. And in order to do that, they have to evaluate. Again, it's the same It's the same thing with Chris Jones. I'm just – I'm telling you they're not going to do anything that restricts them from making sure that offensive line is in place. They have been telling us that by what they've been doing for three years now, through the draft, through what they did trying to solve left tackle, like all of this stuff. 
the top priority now that Mahomes' deal is done for the Chiefs is making sure that line is in place. It, it, it like it is so clear to me like that is that is the absolute number one thing that they're trying to achieve. And that means they've got to pay a couple of those guys and they're going to have to pay them a lot of money and they're not going to do anything. I don't think that compromises that. I will be stunned if, you know, health isn't a factor and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith go anywhere. They will do whatever it takes to keep those guys there. And I think that's the right thing to do, by the way. I would do the same thing. I think that's far more important to the Chiefs franchise than bringing in a wide receiver like that. Now, Veach's problem is he's not evaluated these wide receivers well. We'll see on Rashi Rice. He looks good. But Kadarius Toney? Sky Moore? Nope. Like, he's missed on a lot of receivers. He's got to get that right in the draft if this Are is you off work. the Sky Moore bandwagon, like, for good? Well, as far as what he could be, probably. Can he still be a key contributor and meaningful player? Sure he can. But he's not ever going to be the guy there, I don't think. I think Rashi Rice probably is. Looks likely to. That doesn't mean Sky Moore can't be really important to them because I think he can and hopefully will be but it's you know we just have to bring that we just have to bring that expectation and that ceiling down significantly to what he's ultimately going to be for the team 869-1240 what do you think Chiefs fans uh, are you okay with the lack of addition to the wide receiver room again they that's not totally true they added McCole Hardman uh, but was that enough? You can let us know on the IHOP hotline, 869-1240. Congratulations, by the way, to Ryan for winning our final pair of tickets to the AEW event this weekend at Interest Bank Arena. We'll give away some HTO as well on the show today, so still an opportunity to win a prize here with us on Sports Daily. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. We were just talking a lot about the Chiefs. Can't get enough Chiefs coverage? Check out Locked On Chiefs, a daily Chiefs podcast, free on the Odyssey app. Follow it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Podcast. Welcome back in here to Sports Daily. Jake Balrock, Tommy Caster with you. Jad Chambers producing. Uh, All right, let's talk. uh, You know, World Series happened yesterday, Tommy. I'm trying to restrain myself from uh, having a two-hour World Series show here. Uh, But, you know, the Rangers learn right before, or we learn. They probably learned before that. We learn Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer are both out the rest of the series. Um, Yesterday felt really, really, really important for the Rangers to win, in my opinion, because of that. You didn't want that to linger and boy, they came out and answered in a big way. The offense explodes. Travis Jankowski, who essentially replaced Garcia in the lineup, was outstanding. He's a defensive guy, but he's lightning fast. And he's kind of been hot in the postseason when they've used him. That I mean, that's exactly what the Rangers needed to do when they get that kind of news, is come out and make a huge statement early in a game. I love baseball. I love postseason baseball, especially but I'm going to tell you right now, I hate 
the bullpen game in the World Series. I hate yeah. it. I think it's the worst thing. And, you know, I, I know that the uh, the reporting came out, I think, yesterday, that game one of the World Series was the lowest rated World Series game of all time. And I know that wasn't a bullpen game in game one, obviously. But you throw in a bullpen game from the Diamondbacks in game number four, I've yeah. got a pretty good idea it's going to be fairly low rated. And, of course, it was Halloween and all of that. But I know Rob Manfred, I think it was maybe a week ago, um, before the World Series started, talked about the importance of bringing back starting pitching in a way that you know is a lot more um, viable and dominant, starting pitchers pitching longer, that sort of thing. Um, what the Diamondbacks did by throwing out their relievers in a bullpen game, I mean, it absolutely shot themselves in the foot. Um, sure. And, and I understand like teams do that with the mat. It's a matter of necessity a lot of times, but I hate the fact that it's gotten to that point because them doing a bullpen game absolutely cost them. You know, I think their roster is a little more restrictive. I don't know that they had much of a choice. I do think it was probably their best pathway. It's worked for them in this postseason. And the, the fact is the Rangers technically threw a bullpen guy out there, but he was also a starter most of the season and he was able to go his five innings and do his thing. But, you know, it, it's the Diamondbacks don't really have a choice. They don't really have somebody to just throw out there. That's just a I, mean, I hate the fact that it's become a kind of a necessity for them and for Same. teams to do that. It's one thing in the middle of June or in August or whatever. It's another thing in the fall classic on the biggest stage of them all in, you know, a, a series where if you're the Diamondbacks, you've got to get a win to even the series up at two games apiece and you don't have a choice but to throw a bullpen game. Yeah. Really, you don't have for them. They don't have the starters to do it. And and look, I'm with Manfred. I I do think that bullpen games are bad for baseball. And a part of the drama of baseball is hyping up great starting pitching yep. matchups. But that was the case in Game One, right? You know, each team had their guy out there in Game One. Now, Game One was on a Friday, and I don't know if it usually is, but that's always going to be a little bit restrictive. A Friday in the fall, I think of viewership. Um, I don't. He, here's the deal with viewership in baseball, and I've said this for a long time. If you're not a if you're not a baseball fan that's going to watch the World Series every year, which is one classification, right? Like you have you have the the baseball fans that will watch it no matter what. I think you and I probably both fall into that category. Then you have great baseball fans who are fans of their team. They're not watching the World Series unless their team is in it anyway, right? Like, it doesn't matter what. You could be a Royals fan, like the most diehard Royals fan, love baseball and whatever, but you're a Royals fan. You're not. You're like a Major League Baseball fan. Yeah. You're just going to watch if the Royals are there. There's So there's that. And then there's the people that you've got to try to draw in that just need the spectacle of it, right? Like, and it's not going to be the Super Bowl by any means, but, you know, the NBA can do that to some degree behind star players, depending on the matchup. But baseball is always, and this is why the TV deals are so complicated, right? Because for the most part, we watch the teams we love, and that's it. Like, you're not, you're not, as a, like, how often, Tommy, do you turn on Sunday night baseball? If the Braves aren't playing in it, I mean, I'll have it on, but I'm not really locked in to what's right. going on in another matchup. Yeah, maybe like if I'm not, but you know, like it's so I, I don't read too much into ratings for a world series. That doesn't really move the needle for me because I don't know that there's a ton 
that can be done about that. The reason the ratings of the World Series are low is because it's the Diamondbacks in there against the Rangers. And while the Rangers have a massive following and audience in DFW, that's not a national brand at all. And neither are the Diamondbacks. Certainly aren't. The Diamondbacks are barely a brand in their own city. And so, yeah, the ratings are going to be down because that's just the way it is. Most, you know, it's, it's Arizona, I would imagine... Arizona has a lot of transplant fans. It's the same thing like Tampa, right? You're probably a fan of somebody else and you just happen to live in Phoenix. It's not like a team. So th- there's not going to be anything that changes about that with the World Series. And and everyone blames baseball for this too, by the way. Oh, why don't they, they – if they would just market their superstars, they can do that. But again, I don't care how you market Mike Trout. People in, you know, in, in Wichita – don't care about angels games right. and they're not going to it doesn't matter what you do so baseball has to do things like like they did this year get these rules and make the game more appealing right attendance and ratings were up through the year work on the fans that you do have give them a better product and let the national stage be the national stage there's just not a lot they're going to be able to do about it and figure out a way to get teams good starting pitching, especially yeah. on the biggest stage of them all. They you know, tried. I'm looking at, I mean, nobody nobody was looking at game four and going, man, I can't wait to see what Joe Manply does. Yeah. You know, or I can't wait to see how Miguel Castro pitches for yeah, a yeah, third yeah. of an inning. You know, Ryan Nelson for the Diamondbacks pitched five and a third in that game. Start him. Start him. Why is he coming right. in in the fourth inning and pitching five and a third? Yeah, I don't know because I don't know the lefty-ready matchups off the top of my head. But, look, the thing is they have changed the rule to make guys pitch to three batters. That's an effort to to do less of this. And it just – I don't know what else baseball can do Uh, because they could try. And I'm not saying don't because I agree with that. I hate using the bullpen too much. I just don't know what it is they can do. Like I had a, I had a hot t- – I was like, get rid of the shift. Immediately that would right. be the best thing that could happen. I don't have that. Like I don't know what this would be other than what they've done. I mean, hey, look, I'm just glad that we're going to get to see Evaldi and Gallon tonight. I think oh, yeah. that – I mean, that's an incredible matchup. And for a game five when the Rangers can clinch, it's going to be a ton of fun tonight. Get it done so I don't have to compete with working on a Friday night for high school football again this week. That's really difficult to do. Can we just get that done tonight, Rangers? Let's just get this thing buttoned up. And we'll uh, we'll selfishly be done with it here. Eight six nine twelve forty. We'll come back. Hour number two of Sports Daily, coming right at you.